I'm Daniel. And I'm Pat. And this is Y2K Movies. A podcast about the films of the 21st century. This week's episode, we're looking at 2009's Slammin' Salmon, written by Broken Lizard, directed by Kevin Heffernan in his directorial debut. The film premiered January 17th, 2009 at the Slamdance Film Festival. Uh, wouldn't see a wide theatrical release until later that year, December 11th, 2009, and I didn't see it until I just watched it last week for this podcast. This is now the fourth Broken Lizard Lizard movie that we've covered, so I guess we might as well officially call it uh, our next retrospective and run out the other couple. There's only a few left, and um, the timing on this has worked out perfectly because they got Quasimodo, or Quasi, coming out this April, so less than a month away. But, Danny, you had seen this one already, and you sung its praises, and uh, I am so glad that we're doing this, because I have to say this might be my, well, I I love Club Dread because I love horror movies, right? Um, And I think Super Troopers 2 is is probably the funnest, but as an ex-member of the service industry, I found this movie... Uh, uniquely satisfying. And I was at dinner with a, with a group of friends last night, and this movie actually came up because someone had brought up Waiting, which is another movie that we should do because it's a great server movie. And uh, I said, well, you know, you want to talk about a movie about the service industry? I just watched Slam and Salmon. And this is great. This is Broken Lizard doing, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I assume some of them were waiters. It's kind of a trope right that that actors in hollywood although they didn't really come up through the hollywood system but um somebody must have waited tables at some point because they got a lot of this shit pretty right on so what'd you think buddy <laughs> yeah i mean it was awesome uh i think that other than club dread this is probably my second favorite yeah with uh however though if i am getting high for some reason i always either go to club dread or super troopers those are like my two picks i think it's because so club dread is definitely my favorite but i think the reason why i always go to super troopers is because you could watch it wherever and it's funny right there is no you don't need to have any backstory you don't need to have any knowledge of what the fuck's going on it just is what it is but the slam and salmon is a fucking great comedy movie it runs only at like what an hour 39 minutes it's, sure it's a it's a movie that uh it's rated r it is it, it gives you the laughs it gives you the uh the language that is in a fucking kitchen <laughs> it gives you like i don't know it just gives you a very genuine feeling where as like i could watch this probably once maybe twice a year kind of deal it's one of those movies because like if you watch it too much you're gonna it's i don't think it'll go stale but it's it's not like super troopers where you could just fucking throw it on go to sleep to it you can do whatever you want to it slam and slam is one of those movies where you if it's on do you want to watch it you don't take it, a piss break in it you pause it you know what i mean like you you don't let it just continue running when you're doing things around the house at least not to me it's not it is it's, a movie that keep grabs your attention and it keeps you there and you want more it's definitely not as zany as um as like super troopers where super troopers is kind of a very screwball comedy this is a little bit more realistic um it's a little bit more uh i don't want to say mainstream because that sounds like I'm, i'm talking shit about it a little bit more conventional i guess you know i was gonna say it's it's written out if yeah you know what but I mean. not, like it's it, yeah it, it's a play it's more of a uh super troopers you could say was probably like they probably wrote half of a script and went out there right where yes. this probably this movie was 100 percent completed there was a screenplay for it and uh also probably this is other than club dread this is probably their biggest cast so they're like everybody mattered in this movie i felt like uh including you know the cut the guests the customers the like everybody mattered uh if you, you were on screen you you either gave to the atmosphere you you know there wasn't just anybody being a dud in the background if that makes sense um right everybody even if you were just extras at the restaurant you they you you saw that they also kind of had to act especially when uh 
uh, Cleon Salmon, Michael Clark Duncan, RIP, uh, when he was on the scene and he was like yelling orders or anything like that, like you could see the that if you were an extra, you also had to kind of be a part of that. Yeah, Michael Clark Duncan uh, joins the long line of uh, Brian Cox, Bill Paxton, Rob Lowe, where they where they get these big. Because uh, I mean, he did. Did he ever get a? I mean, this is definitely post Green Mile, but did he get an Oscar nom for that? For a Green Mile? Yeah, I don't I think know. So. But I he, so. very celebrated actor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, and he plays. He, does a great role in this. He's the restaurant owner who, so the, the basic premise of the movie is uh, he's an ex-boxer, Michael, uh, Michael Clark Duncan's character, Cleon Salmon's an ex-boxer who uh, gets into some financial trouble with the Yakuza and has to come up with $20,000 by the end of the night. So uh, he owns this restaurant. He, he challenges his wait staff to, uh, and it's a high end restaurant. Um, challenges his wait staff to uh, make him $20,000 over the course of the night. How that works with people, pay, I guess everyone paid in cash. There's no credit cards, whatever. We're just going to fucking not worry about that. So um, he's just trying to get 20 grand by the end of the night. And Actually, at the at the beginning of the movie, when they're going over, was it Zagat, that Zagat report? It does say cash only. Oh, which is I'm crazy. Sure. For a place that uh, allegedly that expensive, but whatever, who cares? Suspension to disbelief, right? We're not gonna fucking. Well, it, but it, but it, honestly, it fits. It fits that character though, right? It fits uh, Cleon Sa- Salmon, right? Like it's it. It would make sense for it to be cash only for yeah. him because you know he's not a numbers guy. So great, great cast. Like you know, obviously the whole Broken Lizard crew is there. Uh, Michael. Clark Duncan as the uh, Clan Salmon, the owner of the establishment. Other servers, we have Colby Smolders as Tara. She's uh, Maria Hill from the uh, MCU, and she was on How I Met Your Mother. Will Forte is one of the customers. Uh, April, and I had to look her up because I knew I recognized her from somewhere. April Bowlby who played Mia, the server that gets the soup thrown in her face, who's horrifically scarred and has her tits out for the, for a, a good portion of it. Um, she's on Doom Patrol. Have you seen that? Yeah, I've she, seen Doom Patrol. Yeah, I was like, where the fuck do I know her from? Doom Patrol, very cool. And um, who else was it? Olivia Munn's in it. Yeah, uh, I have. I actually, hold on, wait, let me pull up my notes because I was just free thinking. Uh, crim- criminally underused. Oh, I say Olivia Munn. Dash nice, <laughs> and uh, Lance Hedrickson as Dick Lobo, or uh, was it Richard Lobo? Or what the fuck do they call him? Something like that. Basically, he's a uh, it's a playoff of uh, Dick Wolf from um, it's Dick Lobo, yeah, that's his name. Uh, the guy who does the Law and Order because uh, Steve LeMay's character, Connor Rhodes, is a waiter that went to be an actor and and then had to come back. Who, I love that man so much. I, I was glad when the quasi um, trailer dropped and I saw oh, that and he it's was, him. Yeah, I was very, very, very happy with that because I could. He needs to be fucking in so much more stuff. He is so charismatic. I He's absolutely love him. Yeah. Um, you should watch uh, to come FD because that he. I've he's, seen. I mean, he's he is he is the guy in it. You know what I'm going to do? It does I'll get just, better as it goes. I'm just going to start leaving it on more. I'm going to start with season two, and I'm just going to start leaving it on more, and I'm sure that I'll, it'll it'll get its hooks in me. For as much as, I mean, dude, I do a podcast about movies. I love movies. TV shows, God damn it, it's got to yeah, be something hard. special. It's yeah. got to be, it's got to be, this is the last of us. It's got to be Game of Thrones. It's got to be like right. fucking premiere quality shit, but, uh. Um, what else did I want to talk about? Okay, so I know you worked in the service industry. I the 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 most I I, I want to give this guy an Academy Award just because it was so he transformed into a character that I fucking knew, and that is uh, his name is Eric Stolhesky. I don't know how the fuck you say his last name, but he played the 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 guy that was the killer in Club Dread, and he played Guy. Oh, fucking guy. (laughs) I've worked with that motherfucker. That is the most fully realized, like, 
that's a that is a fucking that is a fucking waiter at a restaurant. I have worked with that dude that that looked exactly and talked and said the same fucking shit. It was like it was absolutely eerie. If you've if you've ever waited tables before, if you've ever been a server, if you've ever like worked in the bar industry, watch the movie just for this character because you fucking know that guy. Like it's it, it it was absolutely genius. Yeah, no, I I really uh, guy was a really funny character, but I would definitely have to say uh, Paul was it Soter? Um, he was the chef. And he plays his twin brother, and I don't, I cannot remember the chef's name right now. Is it? Uh, Dave, Donnie and Dave. Dave. Donnie and Dave. There it is. Okay, so <laughs> I knew. Okay, so Donnie and Dave, and the way he acts in the kitchen. So in my in, in my uh, time uh, with restaurants, I've always worked in an open kitchen, so we can't necessarily act like that. But you find ways. And I don't know if it's just how cooks are or like how chefs are or whatever, but like we're hostile, you know, when you start yeah. fucking shit up, we call you like it's bad. And now I'm not going to now his shit was pretty outrageous at the beginning. Every time I don't know if you notice this, but every time they were like, where's Dave or like something about Dave, they always pan to him and he's always doing something fucking crazy. Right. But anytime Dave actually shows up other than in the fight with his twin, He's always responsible, and he's always just trying to make shit happen. Like, you know what I mean? And the scene where he's, like, having the waitstaff uh, try the food, and he's, like, talking about the food, and uh, he was, he was like, everybody was, like, excited, and he started talking about, like, I think it was, like, oysters or something, and he goes, they're turning black because they've been bad oh, for no, a week. Oh, no, it was the tuna they were eating. The yeah. tuna, yeah. <laughs> he was, everybody, like, starts spitting it out. After they're just like, mm, yum, yum. And he goes, yeah, so if you could sell that, that'd be nice. You get a free, what do you say? You get a free dessert at the end of the night, whoever sells the most. Which so, I totally understand that. That was super funny. So that's, I, and I don't, I don't want to hijack the show, but I figured we would do this a little bit. So I'll, 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 I'll get the first one out. Um, one of my server anecdotes has the, the scene where the dessert gets sent back and like fucking savages. Oh, they tear yes. at each other to eat the food. So I was in, uh, I was, I was a waiter at a, a Leona's in Chicago. Leona's was a chain here. It was, it was just local. They weren't anywhere else in the in the world. But there was, I think at the at the at the apex of the empire, there was maybe about a dozen of them, right? And they were, um, kind of high end uh, Italian restaurants. It was like I said, it was a chain, but it was like. 20 bucks more expensive than Applebee's like not fucking super expensive, but not, you know, like a little bit under like, like an Outback or something. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. And it was Italian food. And, um, one day the, uh, we were at, we were at the intersection of this, the restaurant was at the intersection of this busy street and it had rained a lot and the sewer great, like outside in the street, got covered with like leaves and shit and the water got real high and this bus came by and it just made this wave that came in through the front door of the restaurant and all this rainwater came into the restaurant and we were like what the fuck and everyone was like i mean it was a big restaurant it didn't cover the whole thing but it was a decent part of it and the manager was like all right we're closed <laughs> Because it was like a Tuesday or something. And there was people there, but it, it wasn't, I guess it was enough to where she was like, I don't know how to deal with this. We got water. We got rainwater in here. Like, you know, it, it, over by the front door, there's like a couple inches of standing water. Um, they just, they just told everyone to leave and they like, didn't make anyone pay having their meals. They could just leave. Right. And the second those customers left, the fucking servers like descended upon everybody's leftover food and the shit that was in the window, uh, getting ready to go out too, and just fucking devoured everything, <laughs> everything. And it was like, they were eating shit off people's plates. They were eating shit in the window. And it was like the second, the last customer, like the door closed behind them. <laughs> um, 
And I remember being like, holy shit. And I'm not going to act like I didn't. I, well, I got the food out of the window first. Like, come on. I'm going to eat the shit that never got brought to the table. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, it was pretty gnarly. Because servers just, because you don't eat. You're just kind of on your feet the whole time. You know what Oh, I yeah, mean? for sure. And yeah. then when food, like, would appear, like you have a minute. And I'm like, okay. But, um, yeah. No, I got you. I was actually going to say, uh, this kind of shows you restaurant culture from 10 years ago to today it's changed you know when when i first started in restaurants you were the customer's bitch and today i could get away with kind of fighting back you know what i mean like uh at the beginning of the movie when the fucking dude (laughs) with like the the purple uh torn off sleeve shirt starts uh going after kevin uh who was rich in the movie and he puts the butter on his fucking nose and everything. I was like, dude, that would not stand today. Maybe in this restaurant because of uh, fucking, you know, uh, salmon, Cleon. But I don't think, I you're just not going to see that get away too much today. Uh, or just how they even talk to the uh, servers anymore. You don't really see a lot of that. However, when... I did wait. T- I've always been more in the kitchen than on the waitstaff side, on the floor in the front of the house. But when I was in the front of the house, um, I actually did have somebody kind of start an argument with me. And I fought a little back because I was just fucking done with the day. And they asked for the manager. And I at the, I was a manager. <laughs> I was one of the managers at the time. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll go get him. And I did a little turnaround. I did a spin and said, how can I help you? And uh, that person did not think that was funny. I did. I thought it was hilarious. So, but, uh, and so did the rest of my staff, which probably wasn't the best move. Probably should have been more professional with it. But sometimes, you know, you just, the, the person didn't just come at me, but they also were like talking shit about one of my servers. And I'm just like, I'm not dealing with this shit. Like, if you don't like it, just fucking leave. Like, I'm a, di- I'm, I was in a diner. Like, it's no like at that time i think a fucking meal was like eight dollars like come on you can fucking take it or leave it i don't care your eight dollars isn't going to break me i i had that happen once well i was so i've worked in i've I worked in the restaurant industry i've worked in the hospitality industry and um completely different job functions but i've also been a bartender too and this is my rule of thumb is that you are nice to 99% of the customers. Yeah. You eat shit when you have to. You're nice. You're cordial. You're friendly. You turn the other cheek 99% of the times. But you know what? You don't do it 100, and you save that one. And you save that one, and when you need to fucking use it, you use it. And then when they go to your manager, you're like, what are you talking about? I have a perfect track record. I've never done this. You know what I mean? They, they, yeah. they think the customer's making it up. They're like, not Pat. Pat's great. We've never had any complaints about Pat before. Pat gets employee of the month. And I'm like, yeah, I said that shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll fuck with you. Like, you have to. You have to keep it in your back pocket because, like, otherwise you'll go nuts or you'll never make it in it. Like, you can't. Right. The people that, that go their home, that spend an, an extended amount of time at, in the service industry and don't fight back like you're just i don't even i don't even want to make assumptions about your character i'm just because that would be fucking cancelable i'm just saying like i don't fucking know <laughs> you can't you, you got i just that's the way i had to do it I'll, right. I'll take it i'll take my lumps but like you gotta know when to give it back and sometimes you just gotta fucking give it back you know because some people you're not gonna win with you know, oh, yeah. I, I would have, I would have people that like you go in there and like, they wouldn't even, they wouldn't even talk to me. They'd like be sitting there. You can't even see what I'm doing. Right now, but like they gotta <laughs> be sitting there with like their fa- their hand in front of their face, like looking at the menu and they'd have their girlfriend like order for them and shit. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. No, and, we get, I, I get that you're, still. And you're like, you're like now. really motherfucker. Like you're not even going to talk to me, you know? And she's the girlfriend. We go. How many wings do you want? Do you want six or the twelve? And he'll be like, he'll like do a hand gesture, and she'll be like, he wants the twelve. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> this fucking guy. I I bet you. I I can't wait to see what you're gonna tip me, motherfucker. You know what I mean? Like this is gonna go fucking great. You right. know? Yeah. No. I I I'm not gonna lie. I liked it. Uh. I I do like it. You know. I have. Uh. 
I, I look over two restaurants right now in the same franchise. But, uh, you know, on I have one that's on the island, on an island, and it's pretty chill. You know, you don't really get any asshole customers. Right. Then I have one that's more in a town, and that's when, again, we don't really have that kind of customers. Like, it's not like when I first started off and I was closer to the city. Like, I was like two, well, I was about a five-minute drive from downtown in the city of Wilmington. And, I mean, that's when you would get all kinds of people, a very diverse group of attitudes. <laughs> and, I mean, you could have an old lady that is uh, incredibly, incredibly mean to you. And then you can have a, a teenage boy that is like, or a teenage man or whatever, you, a, a fucking teenager that is like the <laughs> nicest fucking person to you. And you're like, wait a minute, how old are you? Like, wow, you were raised pretty right. And then I'll be like, yeah. hey, you want a job? <laughs> and I've, I've actually, yeah, I'd be like, hey, you, are you looking for a job? And they're like, yeah. And uh, 10 years ago, though, it was a little hard. Well, 13, 14 years ago, it was a little, it was different. Because when you would ask somebody for a job, be like, yeah, what do you start at? Oh, 725. <laughs> and people were like, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll put an application. Dude, I couldn't, I, it's kind of weird looking back at that. I made 725 an hour, I think for three or four years of my career. When we were servers, yeah, we got paid shit. We because you got no, no. You when got I was a shit. server, I got paid two thirteen an hour. Yeah, it was something yeah. like that. It was like it was like I don't know what it was for us, but it was less than minimum wage because you were expected to get tips. But the right. problem was was that they they factored your tips at ten percent or twelve percent or whatever, whatever was customary back then. Because this was like twenty years ago, I was a server, right? And uh, a little bit less than twenty years ago, but. People wouldn't always tip you. So, yeah. and you had, you were expected to pay out the busboy and the bartender a percentage of your tips. Right. And there was, there was a chance that you could go in there. And then if, if you didn't get a good run of tables or people didn't fucking tip you or there was fucking issues and then you had, I mean, but you had to still tip out the busboy this much yeah. and you still had to tip out the bartender, you would walk out of there with shit money. And that's why, like, I, was I only worked there for about eight months, and then I went and did something else. But the guy that looked like guy that had the fucking earrings and the, the hair and shit, he ended up uh, he ended up moving to a place that was more like slam and salmon. Because that's, that's cool. the thing, if you can like you're talking about being a waiter and like just kind of like these diners are like I don't want to you know just like these smaller places. Yeah, yeah, it's the if you could do that there, you could go to a place like this. And that's how you do it money. professionally and make, yeah, and make great money. We went to a dinner, uh, we had dinner last night at the Lake Geneva Chop House and there was nine of us and I won't even say what the fucking bill was, but like, it was a lot of money and that it was automatic gratuity. And that guy walked away with fucking probably more money than I would see from our one table right. than I would see doing two, three shifts at Leona's. You know what I mean? And that we right. were just one of the tables that he had that night. So yes, being, you know, there being a waiter or a server in a uh, upscale restaurant is a very legit profession. You know oh, what I mean? Sure. You're, oh, yeah. You're, yeah, you're making you're making real real fucking money. And uh, there's people that are doing it just to kind of get them through med school like Colby Smothers character. Or there's people that are just like, I don't know what the fuck the plan is. You know like, what I mean? Yeah, like, guy, I would have been, I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. I would have been, if I would have ever taken my uh, skills elsewhere to a uh, more, which I actually almost did a couple times, but I would have, if I would have done it for cooking or serving either one, I would have gone to a, a more upscale restaurant for that reason. But yeah. I guarantee you, because where those uh, restaurants are located in Wilmington, Dude, I'd have been more like guy. After work, we're fucking hitting the club. We're hitting because it's downtown. Like you're already there. Like I would have got an apartment downtown. Like I would have just lived there. And I'm like, dude, when I when I served tables, even in the diner, which we were we're a small diner, dude. I when I waited tables, I would come out if I worked for three more than three hours. I usually walked out with a hundred bucks. Uh huh. Yeah. So like that. I mean. If I were and I work every day, that's that's seven hundred bucks a week. That was uh and and at twenty one years old, <laughs> and yeah, it's cash. I was. They, that's the thing. I did my paychecks, did all my bills and stuff. My paychecks were 
the shit that went into the bank. You know what I mean? Right. But the tip money I got, man, that was my fun money. That was the money that like that I was buying everybody around with. That was the money that like I mean, it it was good. It was a good time. But uh, it is different to kind of see how it is because Slam and Salmon is definitely like a high end. We're like waiting, you know, is. A, yeah, uh, wait, like waiting, Applebee's. Yes, waiting was was honestly more my experience. Where like everybody's fucking, you get off of work and everyone's oh. going out because like everyone's got a couple hundred bucks cash on them, and it's ten. What is it? Ten thirty, eleven o'clock at night, and you're yep. like, ah, let's go get loaded because the restaurant doesn't open until eleven tomorrow. So even right. if you were on the opening shift, which were usually different people, um, you know, you wouldn't have to be up until ten o'clock or whatever, and then you right. just put your polo back on and fuck your yeah, then you go right shoes. back to it. Yep. <laughs> go right back Dude, to we, it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a different time. Now I would say that not in sales wise, but service and like, uh, being a, a server or a cook, um, definitely a server is a lot like Applebee's. So like where I'm at, uh, I've had people that worked at like Texas roadhouse, Applebee's, um, fuck Olive Garden and they all tell me that tip they actually they would make more money working at a Highway 55 or an Andy's as it used to be called than Applebee's and stuff and it's because we don't serve alcohol so there is and we don't have busboys so or bus busers so we yeah. don't have you don't tip out you you keep it all right and uh i remember this one chick she worked for for us and she left and went to Texas Road and she was a great waitress well she comes back like two months later and obviously i'm like why why are you back here she had a dance on the bar for somebody's birthday and she fell (laughs) no she said she's she was like uh a lot of her tables got would get a lot of alcohol and she was like i would lose 40 to 50 percent of my tips every night yeah it's not worth it and yeah that would cool that that would that always sucked, and you not that the bartender wasn't doing his fucking job. It was just like no, it's just that's how he also that's how they make their money, right? Know? Like that's how that's just how it goes. But yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. the The food industry is it is it, it's like war. You know, a lot of people come. I mean, look at uh, Anthony Bourdain. L- look at what these people like these uh, chefs write about or professional servers. Like, dude, Anthony Bourdain, like kind of like the way that so I. So the way that he kind of got into cooking was like the way that I, there was, I think it's in Kitchen Confidential. And he found out the, the reason why he was like, this is my career. I want to be a chef was because there was a wedding party that came in. Uh, he was just like a cook at this time. He was like a nobody still. And his head, the, the, the chef walked out and he told him to, uh, you know, like man the grill and shit. And the bride disappeared. And fucking Anthony Bourdain went out back and the chef was fucking the bride behind a trash can. And he said that is with a cigarette in his mouth and his apron over his shoulder. And that is when he realized (laughs) that he wanted to be a chef. And we can all we all know while the groom and his buddies and, and the family are in the restaurant drinking and celebrating. But uh, and then it also tells though that they the bride and the groom or the bride and the, that chef had like probably a past he didn't really know, but it was I like she I knew the food wasn't that fucking good. Yeah, so <laughs> but like I totally get that. There was a I've been offered cooking jobs like sous chefs job. Well, this was in the past uh, sous chef jobs with uh, resorts on golf courses. Uh, we have a restaurant in downtown Wilmington. Downtown Wilmington called. Hell's Kitchen that I've been offered a job there. And I, I actually, every single time I have been, I've, I've really considered it because the amount of pay, like the difference in that. And then also to broaden my horizons and to uh, just, you know, stop cooking American food and getting more into uh, fancier shit. Well, then I just also remembered that if I stay the course that I'm at, eventually I could buy into this and I can own it and you know not work that much once i hit like 35 or 40 <laughs> hopefully i'll have enough money in the bank where i can just have people run the rest you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i i like an early retirement where i just have a passive income and and that to me sounded better than working in a kitchen till i'm 50 
and doing the same shit all the time. So I was like, you know what? I, I think I'm going to stay on the, the, the course that I am. Now, short term, and, well, short term and long term, it probably fucked me because I definitely wasn't making the money I could have been making. Uh, however, you know, during the pandemic, during uh, times of uh, financial struggle in, in the restaurant community, I, I, we never shut down and we never really had that financial trouble. We've always been there. We've, we, I never let anybody go during the pandemic. If anything, I was hiring during the pandemic. Like, I mean, we, we kept it going where, like, I didn't want to shut down. I didn't, which also being in North Carolina, we didn't have to. Uh, we were a necessity or whatever right. you're calling us. But um, yeah, like, I didn't want, I didn't want to slow down. And I'm happy, like, we are a diner. We sell, like, burgers, cheesesteaks. We got custard. Like, we got a whole bunch of different kind of shit. But we're very fast-paced, and we make everything, like, on it. And it's one of those things where you got to be quick. And, uh, you know, at, even reading Anthony Bourdain's book, he talks about, like, so we're like a line cook. That's what we are. And um, he said that's one of the hardest cooking jobs there is because, your weakest link is, you know, that's how the day's going to go. <laughs> you, you have, it is a one big dance. You have to be in sync with each other, which in this movie, we didn't really see too much of the kitchen, but every time it did go to the kitchen, it was fucking hysterical. But, um, yeah, the same thing. Yeah. But the same thing applies to the, the, the servers, you know, they got to be in sync. It's a dance. And, and I will say that when you're in that groove and you are in, uh, that just fucking, communication and shit it is it is a really good feeling and i mean it, i i i think it's a fun job and i thought it was cool and i've done other things on the side i've bartended for friends i've uh i've done a little bit of construction i've done mechanic work i love cars so like i still do that as a hobby i fuck with cars but like you know there's it's just not um it's just it's just cool when you can get a group of people and it is a service industry which i i also like to do that like i i, I I like the service industry. Like, I know a lot of people don't, and I actually, for some reason, I'm not really big on like the whole human interaction. But I also, at the same time, like, I'm human, and I understand that we are social people, so uh, <laughs> or social animals. So, like, you know, it's there, and I, it's a good time. It's fun, but you have to have the right staff. You got to have the right people, and yeah, and you have to understand what you're doing and what you're going for. It's a very uh, humble job. It's a very like you definitely want to be goal oriented in it. Time management. It, it. I. I always. I think the best part about it is, is, especially if you start off young, and that is your footprint into or your your first steps into, uh, you know, the real world. Uh, you learn a lot of good skills, or at least you you start developing a lot of different skills that go on. Especially if you say you go to college right after high school. And on the side, you're doing like a restaurant job and eventually you get into like a leadership position or like a management position. We all know that and like being a manager in any position, you're going to wear a lot of hats. You know, I've repaired my fair share of refrigerators. I've repaired my fair shares of like steamers, grills, fryers, toilets. Fucking So like you just learn a lot of shit. You learn shit like electrical shit, electrician shit. You learn plumbing shit. You learn because. The owners don't want to fucking pay for anything. So you got to do it or you're not going to have it. And yeah. it sucks. But I mean, it is true. Now, however, looking back at it, yeah, it sucked. But at the same time, like, I know how to do this shit where if if I was just never pressed to go that distance, I would have just fucking spent 500, 600 bucks just to get somebody out here to fix it. And then come to find out it's it was something so easily that a 19, 20 year old kid could figure out. You just have to try. My first, my first couple jobs were in kitchens. Uh, one was at a, a burger place and then, um, a bar that served food where we would do banquets and I'd have to cook fried chicken and muscatoli and beef sandwiches for like a hundred people. And then, uh, and then I managed the subway for a little bit. And I, I like that my, my first three jobs were in kitchens. Um, you know, you talk about the different things you learn. Number one, I'm not afraid to cook. You know, I don't know how to make everything, but living, then when I got older and I started living with roommates and you, know, you start living with other guys and, and you kind of see what that's like, you realize like some people 
don't know how to do anything in the kitchen. And oh, yeah. so, so many of my first few jobs, I mean, granted, like I said, I wasn't making creme brulee, but like, shit, I know how to fucking make a sandwich or grill food or do this or do that, yeah. or, you know. Make um, a hell of a good steak. Yeah, I make pasta, muscacholi, fucking fried chicken, you know, all that stuff. And then um, the other thing I learned, and I always, I, I, I try to impart this on my son as much as I can. When I, uh, I was a line cook at the at the burger place. And, um, God damn, it was, it was intense sometimes. It was yeah, really I mean, it stressful. Is. And I was like, I started working there when I was like 14, 15 years old. And, um, at the end of the night when they had to break down and start doing dishes, we would start doing dishes. We'd break down half of the foods, like the, the cooking setup, and then start doing dishes. And then, you know, that way we could just do the other half and then close. And, um, I always volunteered to do dishes. Cause I was like, cause then I would go back and I'd have, there, there's a radio back there and I'd put on the classic rock station and I'd listen to journey and I would do dishes <laughs> and I, there was right. no stress. I mean, if, if we yeah. got a rush or something, they'd yell for me to come back out, but I could sit there and no, and the, the other thing is that nobody ever wanted to do dishes. Yeah. So the fact that I would do dishes, everybody loved working with me. Oh, Pat's here. Right. He'll do dishes tonight. We don't have to worry about dishes. Like, you know, hey, I'm going to go was- back there and do do dishes. Like, can I bum a smoke first? Ah, you're 15, whatever. Here you go. You know, like <laughs> it, it it was, you, you take the jobs that nobody wants mm-hmm. and everyone's grateful for you. Everyone loves you and no one fucks with you. <laughs> you know, find out what no, I didn't, this is the way I, at the house. And it's still like to this day, I'm a 40, I've turned 42 in a week, 42 year old man. After every fucking meal, I'll be up doing the dishes. And it's just like, it's ingrained in my fucking personality now. Right. And, you know, does does that mean that I'm a, you know, I missed my calling as a professional dishwasher? I don't know. But, um. You wash the hell out of some dishes. Definitely. Like, there's some people that are like, I don't touch dishes. I don't do that. Not me. Fucking, I definitely I, would say at the house. Dishes. Like, I, I understand what you mean by that, by the way. Like, doing dishes. Like, I probably should do them more. I should probably do a lot of chores around the house more. Um. But dishes, I, I I liked it. Like I, that's one of the chores that I really don't mind. Like I will do the dishes because I typically listen to music or I put a podcast on, right? Um, and you know I just do that. Now I I'm okay doing laundry when. So I live in like a townhome, so it's like two stairs and it's fucking my bedroom and the laundry room is all upstairs. But if we if dude if I lived on like a fucking like just a like a ranch style home or anything, man. You pop that laundry basket in the living room, and I would do laundry. I would fold laundry probably all the time. Uh, now, when my wife listens to this, I'm sure she'll be like, "Okay, yeah, we'll see when we get that house." <laughs> but I, I mean, you know, when I was young, when I was a high schooler, when I was like a junior and a senior, you know, when you start really becoming independent and you're not, you don't really, especially having a job during those times. Uh, you know, your parents are working, you're working, you kind of start realizing the things that they're doing. And you're like, you know what, I should do this myself. Like, you know, I can wash my own dishes, I can wash my own clothes, I can do these things, right. And yeah, I would do that shit. I would fold my laundry with my mom while she was folding her laundry, we'd be watching fucking like South Park or something in the in the living room. And or if we even go back further, like when I was a kid, and we had like a fucking small ass TV in the apartment and uh, like in the kitchen with the antennas coming out and <laughs> be helping cooking breakfast, watching that or something. But I don't know. Like I definitely, I definitely get the whole chore thing. Like I like that. Like, or uh, like at work, like I used to do that too. Um, I would watch, I loved washing dishes at work. Now today I, I don't really do too many chores at the restaurant, but like, well, you have people for that kind of thing. Right. Like I pay people for that. But, um, <laughs> But, like, when I was being paid to do that, like, I, fuck yeah, let me do the dishes, right? Like, let me, let me go back there. Like, I'll fucking, you know, do dishes and not have to worry about anybody fucking with me. Like, hell yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm really sorry that I interrupted you because you were, no. you had some momentum there. No, it's all good. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I remember I, I started out at, with the whole engineering thing. Like, I was a building engineer and then I, became a, a chief engineer that oversaw a group of building engineers. And now I, I'm, 
on the facility management side and I oversee chiefs that see, you know, I'm fucking higher up the food pyramid. Right. And I'll never, I'll never forget when I was an engineer and I was just talking to the other guy. He wasn't even a chief. He was just a couple of years old, had, had some seniority. And I said, Oh, I'm going to go change light bulbs. I'm like, you want to come with? And he's like, absolutely not. He's like, Pat, <laughs> he's like, Pat, I'd be perfectly fine. Never changing another light bulb for the rest of my life. <laughs> and honestly that's the way i feel now like you know it's like there's there's certain jobs that i used to do that uh i am fine never doing that ever again dishes is not one of them i don't mind i will do the dishes every day yeah uh you know you bring up laundry which is not uh related to the service industry but what the fuck we'll go there for right yeah no i i am i am definitely (laughs) i am definitely the laundry doer in my house i always have a load of laundry going you know i it's it's just, just got a load of something going. If you do it, then you if you don't let it pile up, then it never becomes a thing. And right. there's nothing worse than like it's Saturday and no one's done laundry all week long, and now a considerable amount of time has to be dedicated to it. Whereas if I come home from work every day and I gather up the dirty clothes and the towels I see laying around and I just throw a load in, you do it every day, then it's just a load of day, and that's it. You know what I mean? Right. And, um, yeah. You don't have to worry about anything. Yeah, we, I should probably, I need to, I need going, to get better at that. Going way back to Slam Examine, though. Yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of the things, that, the very last thing that we were talking about before we got on this fucking huge derailment, uh, which is good, because this is what I wanted to do, because I knew we both had this background, and it's right. it ties into this movie. I got to say, though, um, what's his name? Uh, let me pull it up real quick. The guy that does play Twins um uh paul right that to me was the funny one of the funniest gags in the movies in the movie because here's the thing like you you know that it's just one actor playing two parts and when they cut from one to the other it's just him in a different outfit but that still makes me laugh Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? That they're trying to maintain that it's two different people and it's just one guy in two different shirts. And oh. to me, that's like, I think like you're, you're, you're more passive audience member, people that don't like don't watch movies, but don't, you know, spend a whole lot of time thinking about them. They, they just kind of, they, okay. Yeah. That's two characters. That's him. And then that's his, that's his brother. But anyone that like, watches movies and like spends a lot of time thinking about movies you know that that's just the same actor like you never you never get fooled by that trick and it never stops being a gag and i love that and in the quasi trailer they even make a point to show that the guys all play multiple characters uh in the movie and i'm glad that they're doing that because it's so goofy and silly and it's such an easy laugh but it, it worked every time for me well they've also never done really like anything like that before well as like what we're seeing in quasi um but actually in my notes i do have the twin fight scene i thought was done pretty well (laughs) yeah like i for for these guys i was like that i i enjoyed it i thought it was done relatively well and yeah uh it was one of the it was to me it was actually and then later on it, it had like a a uh continuity to it later on you see dave with tissue in his nose like sticking out while he's uh cooking and threatening people and uh, also while he was in the kitchen dude the swordfish scene oh that was so God, fucking dude. funny you have to dominate the swordfish only then you can saute it like come on is that not that was one of the, probably one of the best lines in the whole movie you have to dominate the swordfish <laughs> only then you can saute it yeah. He punches in the face, man. And it's it's a big animatronic practical <laughs> effect fucking yeah. swordfish that he walks in with. Yeah. That was probably there's a couple there's a couple really gaggy. He, he uh, did, did you hear like how he won it? He won uh-huh. it in a in a thumb wrestling contest with uh fuck, what's his name? What's the celebrity chef, the bam guy? Oh, uh, um, Emerald uh, Legazi. Emerald, yeah, Emerald, yeah. So he he that's how he got it, and then he says it. He goes, "I broke his thumb in a wrestling contest." And then he goes, "Bam!" Real loud in his face. I was just like, "That's fucking funny." 
Yeah, he's he's got some, and I I didn't I didn't write him down. Michael Clark Duncan has they give him some really great dialogue. That's very he's he's very much a straight man in his delivery, and uh, there's one scene where like so I, that that was kind of confusing because it took me a minute to figure out. But Kevin Heffernan's character, who's once again doing playing against the Farva type, uh, Kevin Heffernan's character is married to his sister (laughs) and there's a line where he's like man look at those triplets they all look alike what'd you do fuck a xerox machine (laughs) that was really funny uh but he's got he's got some he's got some genuine laugh out loud moments they give they give him good dialogue He, he he's very um straight in his delivery but uh great comedic performance by him and it really uh, made me like i don't get i don't usually get bummed about dead actors or anything like that because i don't fucking know him but like right. that was one of those i was watching this and i was like god damn it i'm like i wish this guy had been in more stuff right you know i think there's three for me when it comes down to it and i would say him bill paxton and paul walker i think those are the three like i i wanted more bill and i thought obviously his was an accident like his wasn't even like his was like after a surgery so I don't that know, was bro- broken lizard curse let's see who's in uh... yeah and then um and then i would say paul walker's was i mean that was also an accident but or oh. if, you, if you live by the sword you die by the sword kind of aspect he was but, suppo- supposedly he was working on a documentary about uh which actually isn't true i'm not even gonna fucking finish that sentence okay but there's lots of conspiracies about paul walker's death that uh talk about some other time okay i did a burnout for him whenever i found i was really (laughs) sad about that i'm not gonna lie yeah and i i think uh oh and then uh the other one was robin williams for me that would have been the the top yeah robin williams for me was more because of how sudden it was it wasn't because i obviously i'd love to see him in more shit but he has so much right he has a big catalog not just from uh acting movies but he has tv he has stand-up yeah i I, there is you can really get into uh robin williams but again like you know was sad to see just because he was especially being you know i turned 30 and i turned 30 in december so my 90s and early 2000s was just filled with robin williams everywhere and i mean that was one of those actors that uh he could be dirty and be funny he could be a sweet man and be funny uh he could be a cross-dresser and be funny you know he he could dress up basically like he could he could do whatever he he was a he was a true like comedic figure in hollywood and i thought he was really funny and just kind of you know i kind of to a point understand what happened and why he did it because you know alzheimer's and dementia and all that shit that's a that's a hell of a thing man and wait what i get it yeah, he had he was getting like Alzheimer's and he hung himself because he didn't want to forget. I never knew that. Yep, he hung himself because uh yeah, it was yeah, it was sad. It was more of a moment that he his memories were more important than his life and I was like, fuck, that's deep. But Robin Williams, if you ever listen to him talk, he's a very like talk from the heart like yeah. from the fucking bottom of the well you know what i mean like he he's definitely a uh a deep kind of character i mean a lot of comedians are you know that's why they're that's why they're funny is because they came from a hard past and they can look at the light of that but yeah i mean i don't know i would say that robin williams is pretty sad uh he's definitely on that list for me and i don't know i i try to think of actors today I thought of Harrison Ford or Jane Fonda or uh, Clint Eastwood, like those kind of actors. Like, but to me, it's almost like they've made it. They're, they, you know, they've they're so old now that like are not so old, but you know, they they spent their time. They they have so much stuff that you would never, they will never be forgotten. And I think that's why, like, to me, it'll just be sad, but it would, but hopefully, it's just peaceful and they just slip out from like natural causes or something. But uh. Yeah, typically with uh, actors, it's not. I'm like with you. It's not 
not too many of them get to me, but I would say that the the ones I named were definitely those were some shockers. Yeah. Oh, anything else for uh, for Slam and Salmon, dude? Yeah, I just got two more things. One, okay. <laughs> really early on in the movie, uh, I thought it was really funny uh, when he, uh, Salmon was uh, talking about like why he had to get the money and stuff, and he was talking about buying property on the moon right next to John Travolta. He bought real estate. I thought that <laughs> shit was funny, <laughs> but I wanted to end it on this and all it was was it's just how a way to go out and i will use your nuts as cufflinks <laughs> which he also said he had some good lines he did yeah i i think that they really i think his character definitely had some of the best lines and then at the end uh the painting of him punching um guy in the face mm-hmm. that painting I think that was Kevin's like brother or relative that actually painted that. Because that was an actual painting cuz it t- it talks about in the credits. I just when it whenever I finished the credits, I I forgot to write it down and then I just I was already away from it, so I was like I'm not even going to bother looking it up. But I sh- I really should have cuz it was funny, but yeah. But uh yeah, man. You know, it's a fishy fish. <laughs> All right, so we got Beer Fest next, and then Quasi, and uh, I don't know if we'll get to get to Beer Fest before Quasi. Well, Quasi but... comes out on four twenty, which I'm not sure what day that is exactly. Like, what it's a Thursday. On. It's a Thursday. Okay, so it come out. So yeah, we can we'll celebrate. Now I'm gonna let you know that uh, I typically like I don't care about the whole four twenty thing. Like I really don't, you know, because I'm an adult. Because every day is fucking. Yeah, 420. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in all honesty, it is. Yeah. <laughs> However, uh, for that day when it does come out, I I will definitely be. I will try to be as loaded as possible for it, and then um, when we record, I'll definitely probably take a couple gummies and be loaded for that too. Because I feel like it's the only respectable way, because it's the broken lizard way. They they release all their stuff on 420. So. Yeah. All right. Sounds no like a date. Shot.